It's cloud cuckoo land. Seagulls on our chimney pot. Salty sea ducks coming in for their pouches of tobacco and the infamous lozenges. You and your straw boater. A fortune favours the brave. Can I urge you both to concentrate? Last year, OK, it was a trampoline warehouse in Anglesey. <laughs> it's got more harebrained schemes than Alan Partridge. Monkey tennis! Oh, of course, when she was angling after antique earrings, I was Renaissance man. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Hello and welcome to episode 196 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that thinks it says something from one of the highlights of this week's Coronation Street was the soccer ball on Wednesday. I'm Gavin. And I am Vengeance. Oh. Oh dear. <laughs> Three hours of that to look forward to. <sighs> that is you? what you were doing, right? Yes. Right. Yes. So it wasn't entirely clear. <laughs> yes, we're going to see the Batman today. We're going to go see if, if how much masturbating Robert Pattinson's going to do in, in this, a lighthouse in this Batman movie. Well dressed as Batman, <laughs> it's a cosplay masturbatory <laughs> movie. What's William Dafoe going to dress up as? <laughs> I kind of wish he was in this movie. Have you seen? Have you seen what they've done to Colin Farrell's beautiful face? Because he's played the penguin. That's Colin Farrell under all of oh, that. Oh, it's a penguin movie. Well, it's Penguin and Riddler and Catwoman, and I think Poison Ivy shows up as well. But no Joker, thank God. No Joker and no uh, Freeze. Yes. No Mr. Freeze. I predict Freeze. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, in case you're wondering. <laughs> I'm actually quite looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to it. Two hours and fifty minutes. It's it's funny because you're like, oh, I'm not a superhero movie. Superhero movies are all I like the Batman. same. They do the same thing over and over Batman again. Batman doesn't. Batman does. Batman doesn't. Batman does. I can guarantee this. you that the last half hour of this movie will not be things exploding. Things will explode in this movie, Not though. for half an hour, they won't. And you'll <laughs> be able to follow what's going trailer. on. Well, you might not, because it's very dark. It's hard to see. Yeah, much better than Marvel. How are you this week? I'm okay. How are you? I'm all right. Oh, wait. Yeah. Things are starting to warm up a little bit around here. We're Some looking days. at the 60s this weekend yeah. and then snow on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I think it was Thursday. It was quite warm all day. It was, it was creeping up. I was finally able to empty the, the compost, the yellow composting bucket into the big composter in the back, which meant I was able to empty the little composter cup that's in the house into mm-hmm. the yellow composter bucket because it was far too full to f- do anything with at the moment. And then, you know, I'm typically the last person to go to bed. And as I was turning the lights out and locking the doors, it was snowing again. And I was like, and it was just a dusting, but still, it was just like, come on. Yeah, it was gone by morning. Come on. Enough of this shite. <laughs> right, Brimmy? Yeah, this is a strange mood at work when we were <laughs> doing some uh, 
don't know why I'm getting reminded of this. I'm doing some testing on some reports that we've been building, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to uh, try to reconcile one the, the report with a test version of it mm-hmm. to make sure the numbers are right. And for some reason, I just I kept on adopting this strange persona of looking at the the test results and going, "What is up with this damned requisition?" <laughs> and everyone on my team's going. What the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> Can you find that damned requisition? Okay, you need to settle down now. Yeah, settle down, Broomy. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know what I did on Friday at work? What? I took a, a CBT for a skill, an overview for a skill that I've been doing for six years because I'd never done the overview for the skill because when I learned the skill, the e-trainer hadn't been built yet. Uh, so was that useful? <laughs> no. <laughs> Fantastic. It was a nice wee break for 15 minutes. Yes. Shall we preamble with you? And then I watched Blade 2. Excellent. Speaking of superhero movies. Give us some of that damned coding news. <laughs> Blade 2, you say? Blade 2. Not Blade 1. I watched Blade 2. It, I watched, was, it was fun. I've watched Hot Fuzz again. After you watched that again. Uh-huh. That's such a good movie. It is the best of the Coronado trilogy. I always thought it was Shaun of the Dead. And then I rewatched Hot Fuzz and I was like, you know what? This is a better movie than Shaun of the Dead. All the callbacks at the end. It's the gayest. Are just brilliant. It's just the, brilliantly written. It's the gayest of the Coronado trilogy. And yeah. I think that makes it the best. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. I, I interrupted. <clears throat> a moment of silence, please. This is a tough one. That's not silent. My darling. Neither's that. <laughs> Tragedy has maybe befallen us as Charlie DeMello is reportedly leaving the show. We pray Imran finds out the truth about Rana first. <laughs> reportedly. He has not said Stoom. He has not said that he is he left. He hasn't said Stoom. There's sources. You were kind of halfway between he's kept Stoom and he hasn't said shit, weren't you? No. No, you meant to say he hasn't said shtum? Yes. Because <laughs> that doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. <laughs> all of all of the reporting says, reports say, a source says, mm-hmm. Charlie has not said anything. He has not replied to our tweets about it. He's not replied to anybody's tweets about it. And Charlie's always on Twitter because he's always liking and laughing at our stuff because he's delightful. Well, representatives for Charlie DeMello. It's him. Because he's I delightful. think you're in denial. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Imran may or may not be leaving. No. And, you know, it would suck because yet again, another person of color leaving the show. Mm-hmm. And, and plus it's Charlotte DeMello. And one of the actors that we love the most. We love them all, but we love him the most. So that sucks as well. But on the other hand, he could do so much better. Well, most of them could, let's be honest. But, you know, it's it's like... We're, we're not doing podcasts for anything better. We're doing podcasts for this. And it's important, I think, for right. us that we have characters like this in the it show. It is. It is. 
And who knows, if he did leave the show and go on to bigger and better things, it, they might be things that we would mention on the list of lists at some point. Right. But who knows? Anyway. Anyway. I mean... Please, I, Charlie, you can't quit us. Uh, right. Out, you can't out of, quit us. Out of, you know, we were talking about this in the last week, in the last couple of weeks, probably, about you know the likes of Emma leaving and then... The discussion about whether Sam Robertson was going to leave. Yeah, that's that's in Corey News. So shut up. All right, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just was going to say out of all of them, Imran probably has had the more interesting stuff to do, given right. that he's kind of taken over Paula's role of not only being a solicitor but being a barrister as well. So he gets all the court cases and he gets the, the court action. Right. And he gets the kind of interesting stuff from that. So out of everybody... And he's also gotten interesting storylines. The Abby stuff, at least initially, was kind of interesting. The fact that the the kind of father figure for Kelly mm-hmm. sleeps with the mother of Seb... That was interesting and we're to just, me. And we're just starting to investigate the whole Elsie adoption thing. Right, which... and the ramifications of that. And the maybe getting married to Toya, but maybe not getting married to Toya. And there's just, there's so much there. And mm-hmm. he's not in the situation that Sam seems to be in. And, and Alexandra seemed to be in, of just being in a constant loop of doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, that's my point. There's been some variety in, in what he's right. done and what he's currently doing. Right. And it's interesting that from the um, being the, the kind of more straight-laced out of the, the mm-hmm. two lawyers, because uh-huh. Adam's the one that's playing fast and loose with the rules, and right. Imran's the one that kind of, you know, plays and, by the book as Adam much as possible. And Adam is the more horny of the two. <laughs> right. But... Imran is the one that gets some more interesting stuff out of that. Mm-hmm. You'd think it would be the kind of maverick that would get the the more high octane interesting storylines. But mm-hmm. anyway, seems anyway, a shame. Yes. If it's true. If it's true. If it's reportedly. True. It it's is reportedly, reportedly a shame. Yeah. And it's reportedly sources say it's a shame. Right. A source close to the talk of the street said it was a shame. Mm. I'm done now. Okay. Someone who isn't leaving the show reportedly or otherwise, is oh. Sam Robertson. Yay! Well, the Adam actor was making noise last week that he might be leaving and complaining about his storylines. This week, he signed a new contract for the show for another year. I think that's what we call a bargaining chip. Yes. Could Sam be more wily than the solicitor he plays? <laughs> what? Sources say yes. <laughs> the canny Scotsman. Hmm. So this kind of makes me wonder if that's what Charlie is doing as well. If 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 he's he's allowed somebody to leak that he might be leaving, and that's putting Twitter and fans in a tizzy, and that maybe Coronation Street Gets bosses another, will say, "No, another, we need to keep this guy, and we need to up his buck, up his salary." Another buck fifty an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We can only hope that that this is the case. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. it seems to have worked for Sam. The canny Scotsman. Mm. They've allowed his hair to stay curly on the show. And that's nice. Yeah. I've I've noticed that the curls are coming back. I do like curls on a man. <laughs> yeah. We have a very curly headed man child in the house. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And then there's me. <laughs> and there's you. You could have curly hair. 
I'm sure we could find an appropriate... It doesn't go curly. It goes wavy. Head covering. Oh, I was talking about a wig. Oh. Where's <laughs> my Chesney wig? It's right there. Okay. It's right there next massive, to the Highland coup. Ma- massive orange thing. That <laughs> yes, that massive orange like, thing. Looks like a pet. By the Highland coup. It looks like we have two Highland coups up there. <laughs> anyway, any anything further you want to say about Sam? Or no, I'm we... spent. <laughs> the canny Scotsman. <laughs> Aren't you all canny? Uh-huh. That's what the papers would say. The canny Scotsman. Yeah. I saw one say, uh, uh, Corey Blimey. For this story, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense, because he's Scottish. Mm -hmm. What the hell are you doing? He isn't a a cockerney from that London. No. For the thing from... Anyway. Finally. Sad news. And Sally Denever has exited from Dancing on Ice. She was good. She was good. She said before her, even before her final thing, that it was time to go. So... And then the judges agreed with her and voted her off. But it, it seems like she was she was ready to hang up her skates as well. And I can understand that. You yeah. know, the further along they go, the more intense things get, the more difficult things get. You know? I don't think she was ever in it to win it. No, it was just for fun. She was in it for the experience and she was in it to get better. And, and she and did. In it to take a break. And yeah, take care of Gina, apparently. Right. But no, she was good. Maybe uh, contact Shonda Rhimes and say, Oi, you gave my daughter a role. You got anything in Bridgerton for me? I'm looking for an extra <laughs> buck fifty an hour here. Oh, no. Shonda's working with that Netflix money, so it'd be more than a buck fifty. Buck seventy-five? <laughs> wow. That's big money. It's big money, and that is Corey News. That's Corey News, and now we'll podcast for coffee. We're drinking our own coffees this week, which is fine. I'm drinking my coffee. You always say that. You're like, we're drinking our own coffee. It's fine. fine. It's fine. It's so passive aggressive. I'm I'm, I'm definitely (laughs) not saying it to be passive aggressive or to get people to to buy us coffee. It's fine. It's It's absolutely fine. fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. That's why we have a coffee maker. (laughs) I mean, it's not great coffee, but, you know, it's there. It is there. Anyway. Uh, and it's not too bad because we get the Dunkin' Donuts. That's a pricey coffee, that. Mm. I'm it's drinking my, my coffee out of my Aviato mug hmm. from Silicon Valley. TV's Silicon Valley. TV Silicon Valley. I'm drinking out of my soothing mug you that are. I believe came from my dad's ex fiance Pam of Chicopee, Massachusetts. Oh, an extra little nugget of that story there. <laughs> By Christmas, just, we'll have the fool's picture. I just like saying Chicopee. That's it's a good a word to name. say. Anyway, throughout March, what we're going to be doing... Remember last year we did uh, a few charity drives and we, yes, we, did. we donated a few hundred dollars to to various uh, good causes towards Correct. the end of uh, 2021. Well, let's be doing that again in 2022. And throughout March, we are going to donate any coffee money that we get to Sunflower of Peace, Ugh. a smaller charity, but a charity nonetheless who... Uh, provide medical and humanitarian aid that will be used by paramedics and doctors in areas affected by the violence currently ongoing in Ukraine. 
This means first aid backpacks, medicine, medical instruments and other means of survival that are saving hundreds of lives. For more information, check out sunflowerofpeace.com. We'll be matching contributions up to probably about 200 bucks. And that's further matched, I think, by my work. So there's a potential of quadrupling donation sort of stuff here. So anyway, if you want to buy us a coffee for the month of March, that's where our coffee money is going to go. You can contribute by going to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com, slash the talk of the street. Woohoo! It will be very appreciative for any money we receive. And now it's Helen's favourite section, YouTube's. (laughs) What's this section about, Helen? This it's is, about our YouTube channel. That's right. This is a section that has nothing we, to do with where we talk about which is fine. What's new on our YouTube channel? We broke two hundred subscribers this week. Woohoo! Wow. Yeah, we're moving that up. That it's, was it's, only a couple of weeks ago that we broke a hundred. So right. Yeah. I'm very very happy about so it's that. A thousand that it becomes monetized, right? Yeah. M- most of the stuff that I'm posting will never be monetized because it's clips from Coronation Street. So they they claim the money because it's a copyright. Strike, right? Well, it's not a strike, but well, they, no, they claim the copyright on it because it's a uh, fair use. No, the, well, the show, the the podcast, when that goes on to YouTube, that's fine because uh-huh. that's our content. But right. I post little uh, superb cuts from Coronation Street, putting their clips together and stuff like that. Yeah, like they, a clip they show. claim they claim the, the copyright on that, which again is absolutely fine. It's fine. But it's a thousand subscribers when that kicks in. So this week we've got all the regular stuff, last week's podcast, and my two favourite clips of the episode from this week's episodes. And then the latest in our Cory Life Story series focuses on the life and loves and discontinued hair dye that was Robert Preston. <laughs> Somebody bury that poor man. <laughs> if that tickles your fancy, head over to youtube.com slash the talk of the street podcast smash that subscribe button and pull down the underpants of that notification bell. I just bully it to death. And now, this. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to talk about winner, winner, chicken dinner. I'm hungry now. That's right. <laughs> this was Nina goading Roy into saying winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> winner, winner. Do I have to? Yes. yes. Winner, winner. Chicken, chicken dinner. dinner. That's right. I was Gavin and you were married to someone who thinks that all pandas are actually men in suits. Yes. It's true. Still they am. are. They are. Still I'm married to you. And so are the pandas. They're not married to you, but being <laughs> men, men in suits. suits. My nightmare came true and I woke up in the middle of doing a podcast. You were asleep through most of this? I was asleep at the start of it and then I woke up to find out I was in the middle of doing a podcast. This was a joke because the alarm went off on the Oh, that's the right. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't do that anymore. We were rapidly approaching the two-year anniversary of being at home at the Her Majesty's Pool Hall and Rec Room. Johnny isn't the only one with sight problems as his cellmate mistakes him for a drug dealer. George's interest in buying the community centre, a mailbag full of red envelopes, and Tim's decision to offload his inherited chairs and speed dial a number six back to Yasmin all trigger an unexpected visit to the hospital. 
poor Yasmin. Dina is worried that things are going too fast with Asha, while Dev is already making her an honorary member of the family and writing her into his will. A mistake with a yoga mat leads Tyrone to Alina's door, and then to give up his hobby and start running with Steve instead. Some harsh words from Kirk are enough to convince Sean to stop ripping off people he thinks are his friends, and Simon's world begins to collide with Leanne's, and not even Carla's evil stepmother routine is enough to scare off the evil Jacob. Daisy is contractually obliged to do a two-second smile fade. Right. Fizz hasn't updated her fridge calendar, and her moment of the week was Simon explaining his grief to Leanne, and her boring moment of the week was Tyrone teaching Alina how to do spreadsheets. And that was the talk of the street in Coronation Street this time last year. I'm still shocked you found spreadsheets boring. Oh, well, Tyrone talking about them to Alina was boring. Oh, well, spreadsheets yes. are my life. They are your life. Do you like a spreadsheet? You do. Only a couple of episodes this week to talk about. Yes. A Monday and a Friday, thanks to the soccer ball. Yes, thank you, soccer ball. Soccer ball was on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday this week. Aye, aye, aye. That's, that's on a little ITV, bit. that's what Sky Sports is for. Yeah. Right? Am I right? That's a, that's a little Am bit, I right? It's a little bit too much. That's a little bit too much. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline this morning is A Fistful of Grannies. <laughs> on Monday oh, that's going to be the last time I get to say that that's a shame well, you on Monday at the quad house Linda has texted Chesney asking to take Joseph to school despite all of his bluster on Friday he relents because he's a pushover and because it suits him to have less to do and has nothing to do with Gemma's notion that he's a good guy you're a good guy she says sure. with a straight face so Linda comes and picks up Joseph presenting him with a new pair of shoes to replace his holy ones Chesney. Amen. Holy shoes. You make a good use. Thank you. Chesney claims that he was going to sort it at the weekend. You're right. Joseph is tickled fucking pink. And Chesney sort of thanks Linda for her help. Linda says that she respects Chesney's decision to not let Joseph have a decent life with her in Portugal. Later, Chesney seems to be having second thoughts about uh, Joseph and how he would adapt to living abroad. Maybe it wouldn't be such a bad idea after all. Mm-hmm. Gemma thinks, what are we doing there? We're just giving our kids away. Why not give Rio or Bryn or the other one to Linda? And she storms up the stairs in disgust. When Joseph gets home, Chesney tries another man-to-man talk, asking if Joseph would be happy in Portugal and gives his blessing for him to go, which Joseph secretly interprets as that he's not wanted here. And Chesney is far too thick to notice. No. So he meets up with Linda in the pub and admits to her that he's come round to the idea of lo- offloading Joseph onto her for keeps. He realises that Joseph is happier when he's with her. She's only too happy to start putting the wheels in motion but suggests a trial run to see if he likes it first. And Ches agrees. Once again, <sighs> Linda being perfectly reasonable about all this. Right, absolutely. Let's not rush into it. Right. We'll have a little lo- extended vacation and, and then we'll see how things are going. And, you know, once again, no discussion of, well... You know, why don't we do something where he attends school here and then he spends the summers with you or vice versa? Vice you know, versa, I think. Some, some sort of reasonable expectation for both sides so that both sides are happy. That, you know, that would be the reason, the most reasonable thing to do. It's just too bad that Chesney is not a reasonable person. <laughs> Meanwhile, Joseph is telling Hope that Ches is going to pack him off with Granny Linda. 
Hope would kill Ruby to live in Portugal. <laughs> Literally kill her. Yes, she says it. She says it out loud this time. <laughs> and our friend Charlie Millward at the Daily Express, he pounced on that. Yes, and he did. that this is a, a clue to poor Ruby's <laughs> demise. I think, I think he's at it. Yeah. I think he's knowingly uh, yeah. joking here. And yeah. Uh, he's he's purposely being ridiculous so that people like us will talk about him. Right. Yeah. Good job, Charlie. Good job. Charlie Milward. Not- Round one to Charlie Milward. Yes. Not Charlie DeMello. No. Who may be breaking our hearts. Reportedly. Reportedly. Allegedly. Sources close to our hearts said. <laughs> Joseph, though, wouldn't kill Ruby to live in Portugal and seems quite sad about the whole deal. Back home at the Quad House, Gemma is fucking furious with Chesney and, and Linda. Linda's there to announce that she needs to get home as soon as possible. Her housekeeper has left her husband. Yes, and, and, everyone, and everyone goes, oh, you were your housekeeper. And Linda's like, well, she's not just my housekeeper. Right, she's I share a- her with five other people, which is just a very cringy way of putting that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I share this woman with... Five other people. Yes. We have a slave and we share her. Yes. So it's not as bad as it sounds. But just for cleaning the house. Right. It's not as bad as it sounds. No. There's a flight leaving this evening and Linda needs to be on it. She goes on to her phone and she finds out there's actually two seats left. Joseph appears and asks if he can get the extra seat. Let's blow this fucking popsicle stand, he says. Chesney thinks it's for the best and for once he's putting Joseph first. Yes. Gemma and Bernie continue to take this development badly. Chess thinks that they're both guilt-tripping the boy. He's off for an adventure, and it's going to be brilliant. So everyone says their tearful farewells as he and Linda leave the street in Linda's rental car. Right. They they take a picture of him with Hope and Ruby, and not a quad to be seen. <laughs> the quads are not saying goodbye to their brother. They're still... Puking and shitting all over the house, apparently. <laughs> They're locked up upstairs where they can't access a, a, a power outlet. Because apparently one of them likes to try to put their fingers in it. <laughs> because of course they do. I've just realised how much I find how you say Ruby adorable. I say it like it's Ruby. <laughs> it's just what's, love- what's, what's wrong with the way I say Ruby? There's, there's, a, there's just a very rounded way that the oob comes out, I think. Ruby, this is how I speak. <laughs> it's just, I'm not criticising it. We've been married for almost 10 years now. You this don't is say how Ruby very often. Which is weird because it is my birthstone. That is weird that you never mentioned that. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> Chesney reminds him that he loves him and this is just a trial run and he can come home if he wants to so long as he puts it in writing and gives four weeks notice. <laughs> so off they go. Back in the quad house, Chesney is trying to explain to Gemma why he's made this decision when Fizz comes in with Hope. Fizz says that Hope has something to tell them all. So Hope tells them that Joseph told her that he doesn't really want to go to Portugal, but he felt unwanted and in the way, and everyone was always too busy for him. So Chesney grabs his jacket and he and Gemma rush to the airport, even though everything Hope said was true. This is how you treat him. Yes, this is exactly how he's treated. So on the road they get... And would not be treated in Portugal. No. And claims to things changing are... Well, let's just say they're easier to say than do. Mm. 
On the road, they get stuck at a red light, so Chesney decides to run to the airport because Granny Linda has switched her phone off. Hurry, urges Gemma, or Joseph will never forgive us. Can I think that's settled, whichever way this goes. Can you imagine running to an airport? Can you imagine running on foot to an airport from a road but near the airport, but not at the airport? See, I don't think there's any reason why you couldn't. No, but it would be... Weird. And quite lengthy. It's not like you could just... It's not like the airport would be like right there because there'd be like parking garages and other terminals and upstairs and downstairs. And also, you know, the Homeland Security would be probably on your ass because it would be weird to see someone running up to an airport without a car. Every single time my mother drove me to Glasgow Airport... Every time we go over the Kingston Bridge, she, she would say, well, if we run into traffic now, you can always run to the airport. <laughs> and I was like, every single time you're going to say that. But like, we're still like 10 miles away. I ain't running anywhere. No. If I get stuck in traffic, I'm going to miss my flight. That's what's going to happen. I just thinking and, about... And I don't know why the Kingston Bridge is a, a demarcation of, <laughs> of where it's possible for me to run to an airport from. I'm just thinking of, you know, the airport in Detroit. Where, you know, you turn and it says you are now at the airport, but there's also, you know, you have to go up and over and around because there's all these overpasses and underpasses and there's the garage yeah, but now and everything. Think about, and now sometimes you have to go to the second terminal, which is the Delta one. Now think about Lansing Airport, which is just, just basically in a neighborhood in Lansing. Yeah. You but, could do that quite easily. But even that, you know, you have to turn and then you oh, have to drive for like a turning. mile. And you have to go by like that, that doggy daycare and the, and the UPS port and yeah, everything. That makes it ridiculous. The doggy daycare also, is just a line in the sand that no one's going to cross. And also running in Lansing is probably never a good idea. Well, I think for us it would be fine. <laughs> and you can read into that, whatever you Whatever like. you'd like. So, at the airport, Jez finds Joseph and Linda. I've got Lydia down here. That would have been a turn up for the books. Somebody, somebody on Twitter, I think, it was, I think it was Hilda, accidentally said Lydia when she meant Linda. And I just let it go because I'm, I'm becoming a better person. Because <laughs> we all knew that she meant Linda, but she wrote Lydia. And I was like, this is a mistake I would probably make at some point. Well, well done on not correcting it, but mentioning it. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm mentioning it on the podcast. I think but... that's I think that's growth. <laughs> so anyway, in London, they're about to go through security. He makes his plea to Joseph that he doesn't want him to leave. He loves them, and they won't be a family without him. There'll be a massive Joseph-shaped hole in their lives. Don't go. And he apologises for making <laughs> Joseph feel like he's in the way. Joseph has a, uh, a think about it and agrees to come home as long as he can get some roasted cheese. Joseph will look back on this in future and wonder just what was I thinking. I love you, says Chesney. I love you more, says Joseph. I know, says Chesney. <laughs> and then on Friday at the courthouse, Bernie, Gem and Ches are chatting about parenting. Bernie thinks that she has a natural flair for it. Ches says that he's still learning and no one disagrees. Bernie gets laid into Linda again and Ches and Gemma explain how accommodating Linda has been about all this. Gemma tells her to make amends. Yes, so, because Linda did not get on that plane. No. She, she missed her flight and she said 
the airline um, managed to move me on to another flight. Yeah, that didn't, didn't happen. That definitely didn't that happen. That did not happen. No, she got absolutely fucked for that. Right, yeah. And for <laughs> and for Joseph's ticket. Mm-hmm. She lost all her money on that. Yeah. But she's not saying that. Right, no. Because she's a nice person. <laughs> right. <laughs> so and because Bert, flights to Portugal can't be that expensive. Apart from Manchester, from, fairly cheap. Yeah. Under pro- probably under a hundred bucks if you want to go sleazy jet. Right. It's not like flying, which she won't, but that's okay. It's not like flying from Detroit to Portugal, which is probably like $2,000. Probably. But thankfully, Linda isn't flying from Detroit to Portugal. No. So Ben and Linda meet and smile at each other in Nina's roles. They try and uh, fail to find some common ground with each other. The only thing they can agree upon is their love for Joseph and offsetting their carbon footprints. Bernie promises to take good care of Joseph. Linda asks that she make sure that Chesney's pride doesn't get in the way of Joseph needing stuff like shoes and sweaters and food. So Linda goes to say cheerio to Joseph and they arrange to meet again soon. Linda remarks that everyone is welcome to her pool and it's always open. Chesney thanks Linda for everything as her taxi arrives and off she fucks. Linda has now been gone for two seconds and Joseph is having trouble with his homework. He asks Chesney for help, but Ches says he's too busy. Fine, I'll manage, says Joseph, which successfully guilts Chesney into giving some of his time to his son. Yes. And that's All as right, far as well, we'll I'll, get, I'll get Granny Bernie to fold these, these clothes so I can help you with mm-hmm. your homework. Yes. Yeah. Chesney says with a sigh. Yes. <sighs> what have we learnt, viewers, about... About Chesney and it any of be, this. It would be fun, you know, after the pandemic is all over, if they did like like a special where they all go to to Granny Linda's house on vacation. They used to do and, specials like this. You know, and they found like a secret voodoo doll in the bushes oh. and and and, and they got some thought. And, they, and you know, and they get cursed and lots of bad things happen until they put the voodoo doll back in the bush. I'm just, it's it's an old Brady Bunch episode. I think most of this is an old Brady Bunch episode, <laughs> isn't it? No, they used to do uh, Coronation Street in Africa. And whenever people would go away for a vacation, nothing that's canon mm-hmm. changes, right? So the, the show kind of continues without them for a couple of weeks. Right. And then when they come back, they're, they've got a tan. But they would release little DVDs of what they got up to when they were on their vacation right. and have little fun stories where... That would be fun. It was fun. I'd like them to come to America. <laughs> In Detroit. Yikes. Let's see the trains. Roy could go to the Henry Ford Museum. He'd love it there. All the trains and the old buses and mm-hmm. cars and stuff. It's got the most racist bus in America. Or, or the least racist bus. If, if you think about it that way, that it, it that it stopped, that it, it solved racism when, they, <laughs> <laughs> when she refused to get off that bus. God bless that bus. Yes. So, yeah, Chesney doesn't seem to have learnt very much of a lesson here. No. And Joseph seems to be regretting not going to Portugal already. And hopes apparently going to kill Ruby. Again, it would be so easy for them to, you know, come up with some plan so that he could spend, like, a month of his school holidays in Portugal. They should have just let him go for this trial period right. and then spoken to Linda and said, you know, I think we'd probably like him to come back now. Right. 
or speak to him or whatever. Right, because the whole please get away and have some fun for a change. Please don't go. We love you so. Part of that kind of indicates that Granny Linda doesn't. Right. Yeah. And even at the at the airport, she was reasonable. Right. She's she was like, been it's so your reasonable decision. this whole time. Nobody's going to force you. Your dad definitely loves you, she says. No right. one's going to force you, Joseph. It's your decision. Right. The only thing she says is, you're going to have to make it now. Because, because it, the pilot is basically giving me a nod here from the plane to say, if you don't get on, right. we're leaving without you. Right. Yeah. That's the only time that she put her foot down. About anything. And I mean, we ship our kids to Connecticut for... Basically two months every summer. Don't think twice about it. And we're fine with it. It's <laughs> fine. We know they're coming back. We miss them a wee bit, but we know that they're having fun with their cousins and grandparents and other dad and stuff. So, you know, it's fine. They come back and you get a wee break. It's fine. Yeah. Granny Linda, though, I'm going to miss her. She was great. She was great. And so reasonable. Uh-huh. That house needs a voice of reason. Yeah. Because there isn't one. And I'm what glad you have is extremes. You have Gemma and Bernie on one hand, you've got Chesney on the other. Right. And, and then the, you the, got the kids in the middle. Right. And I mean, at least I'm I'm glad that Linda and, and Bernie have buried the hatchet and are now in cahoots. So and they seem to really have buried the hatchet. Yeah. They, when when Linda says that she's enjoyed herself and then mm-hmm. Bernie says, oh, it was, it was, it's been good fun having you here. Yeah. She seemed to mean it. Right. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. You know, I don't understand why Linda said to Joseph with Chesney right there, your aunt, your granny Bernie and I have this secret plan that whenever your dad's too prideful, I'll uh-huh. send money for your shoes. Why would she say that in front of Chesney? To make him that, feel bad. That makes it not a secret anymore. Yeah, but it makes Chesney feel bad because Chesney pulled that face that he pulls when she said that. Yeah. He wasn't happy about that. Yeah. Well, Good. that's why you shouldn't say Good. it in front of him because no. now he's going to be after Bernie about about shit. No, it's a last little dig just to, oh, fuck you. And she's getting in the taxi. I like that. <laughs> Shall we move anyway, on? Yes. To our next storyline this morning is Camper Van Kefhoven. On Monday. There's no Kev, but still, that's a good title. There's Mon- Kevin Theory. <laughs> There's Theoretical Kev. <laughs> Sources close to Kev. <laughs> Sources close to the Kepper Van say. Stay out of the camper van. <laughs> if this Kepper Van's a rocket. No, no, it's Kev and Jack that are in it. <laughs> right, but maybe Kev goes out and. and Jack runs into some aging prostitutes who. <laughs> <laughs> That's for the DVD again. Again, I'm just winging off an old pretty much episode. <laughs> yeah, it's strange that this Coronation Street DVD's got an R rating or an 18 in the UK. On Monday. <sighs> In the morning, Imran and Toya are squabbling about garment regulations when he announces that Leanne is looking after Elsie tonight and he plans to take her out for a meal. But where shall they go? They're going to the bistro. They're going to the fucking bistro. To the same table they were at last week. Yeah, our usual table. <laughs> is it? Or is it the table that everyone sits at when they go to the bistro? Right, which is not their usual table because usual, the usual table is kind of off, off to the side a wee bit more. 
So anyway, Abby anyway. goes to the bistro to speak with Debbie just as Toya has bitten into her engagement ring that Imran has hidden in her pudding, but not like that. Hmm. She only breaks a tooth, but she thinks it's gorgeous and it becomes a rare thing that is a ring on Toya's finger that gets past the first knuckle. Abby looks like she wants to be sick or to kill. Or both. Then Debbie comes clipping in without time to speak to Abby other than to say that Kev has heard her messages but still doesn't want to speak with her. Toya tells Abby to fight tooth and nail for her marriage. Right, because there was drama at one of uh, Debbie's hotels. The rape hotel? Yeah, where the, the manager was sleeping with the head of housekeeping mm-hmm. or something. And they've broken up now. And so Debbie has to go and that clean up that hotel needs to be raised, raised to, the to the ground. It was nice to see um, Nick behind the bar, though. Yeah, we'd remember that Nick works there. Yeah, that Nick is a part owner. Yeah. Yeah. No Leanne, though. No. She seemed to be off this week. And last week. Which is good. That woman needs a break. It does mean, though, that Leanne isn't congratulating Toy on getting engaged, which is a little strange. As strange as the quads not saying goodbye to their brother? <laughs> Equally as strange. The quads can't speak, can they? Yes, they can. They're walking around. Yeah, they're walking around, but they're not speaking. And they can paint. Well, but they would just paint their message. Help me. <laughs> and finger paints. Yes. Or blood. I will kill again. <clears throat> so, Abby finally gets her time with Debbie in the office. Debbie tells her that Kev isn't coming home until Abby has moved out, which seems a particularly childish thing to do. And as she doesn't know what's going on, she can't do anything else to help. And Abby isn't in the mood to share, so leaves. But on her way out, Abby is weird and a bit nasty to Toya and Imran about their engagement and starts drinking their champagne out of the bottle. Mm. Toya wants to help her, but Imran is keen not to poke the bear and just let Abby leave and get pissed if that's what she really wants to do. Yeah, it's, it's, is it weird that Kev hasn't told Debbie? Kev would tell Debbie. Kev would totally tell Debbie. So why hasn't he? I'm breaking up with her. Again. What's her out of my house? Abbe! Abbe! Get out of the house! Abbe! Abbe! Get out of the house! Abbe! I want you out! Abbe! I want you back! Not yet. (laughs) Oh, Abbe, give me one more chance. (laughs) That's my Michael Jackson impression, apparently. So, at Toya and Imran's, Toya is looking at her new engagement ring, wondering why Leanne hasn't congratulated her yet, and then actually saying that she's finding it difficult to be happy when Abby is so unhappy. Imran tells her that she can't fix everyone, especially folks who don't want to be fixed. Why does Toya care about this? Because that's the kind of person she is. Toya. Mm. It's the kind of person she is. She She cares about people. It's her job. There's caring about people and then there's interfering. Yeah, it kind of seems like they just had some spare scripts of Sarah and Lydia and they just erased (laughs) Sarah and and Lydia's names and put in Abby and Toya. Doesn't it it feel that way a wee bit? It certainly has a shared contrivance, I think, that this has absolutely been done for plot reasons, that Toya is getting close to Abby because Abby has slept with her fiancé. Because if that wasn't the case, then I don't think... Toya would be all that bothered. She'd say, you know, if you want to talk about it, then give us a shit. But she wouldn't be chasing her about the 
about the postcode, which is kind of what she's doing. It's because plot. It's because plot. But I, I hate it when it becomes so obvious that it's been done for plot reasons and not because of character reasons. Yeah. But, I mean, it does make more sense for Toya to be a caring person going after another person and, and wanting to help them through a crisis as opposed to Sarah, who's never really seemed like... Oh, we'll get to Sarah. ...that kind of a person. Yeah, but... There's been plenty of opportunities for Toya to be involved in other people's drama and crises that she's chosen just to wind her neck in and not right. have anything to do with. But Abby, I think, is more fragile. And also, she doesn't have Kelly to worry about anymore because Gary and Maria have taken over that. Mm. Who knows? I'm kind of with Imran on this. Anyway, yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with Imran that, that Toya's maybe doing too much and pushing, even if Abby hadn't secretly slept with her fiancé. Right. Unperturbed, Toya bumps into Abby, who really doesn't want to be bumped into, but admits that she hasn't heard from Kev, and it's sad that she's also upsetting Jack and all of this. Toya asks her what she's going to do. The only thing I can do, Abby says ominously, I'm going to dance. <laughs> Is so, it the safety dance? Yeah. Because <laughs> she can dance if she wants to. So Abby starts to box up her stuff and finds a photo of her and Kev. Kev's looking in a right state. His hair's all tussled and in a mess. He's covered in stubble. He's damn it. He's got crumbs <laughs> in his beard. He's got soap stains on his chin. It's from his wedding day. Abby sits down and starts to sob. Thank you for preempting my joke. <laughs> it's not like it's the first time you've ever told that joke before. On this podcast. You say that like it's a bad thing. In the year of our Lord, 2022. Abby is drinking neat vodka from the bottle in the community garden, wearing an anorak with her hood up. So, of course, Toya pops up out of nowhere. Abby announces that she's hit rock bottom. Toya tells her that she needs to speak to someone about this and tells her to go to a meeting. Abby agrees just to get Toya to shut the fuck up. But she hasn't got rid of Toya because Toya is insisting on following her to the meeting. Yes. So that's what they do. She takes her to the meeting and she's actually wanting to go into the meeting, but Abby manages to draw the line and then Toya remembers that she's got a job that she needs to get to because everyone's expecting cake and she's off on right. walkabout. Right, she's on the cake run and right. taking her time. Right. So Toya leaves and Abby immediately looks like she's about to do a runner. And later, Abby's back on the streets and for two seconds... She's there with some strange bloke when Toya appears from behind a bush or something. It says boogity boogity boogity. <laughs> aruga, aruga. The man wah, can. Wah, 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 wah. Whoop, 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 whoop. Was that a Stoogies? That was a Stoogies, right? The last one, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> the others were more or less interchangeable. <laughs> so, yeah, she jumps out from behind a bush. Demanding to know how it went, Abby introduces the bloke as her sponsor, which seems to satisfy Toya, who goes off to mind her own fucking business somewhere, while Abby and the bloke go home to talk about coping strategies. So Toya goes home and tells Imran that she managed to get Abby to a meeting, and Imran doesn't really care and doesn't do a great job covering that up, which strikes Toya as being strange. But Abby and that bloke, their coping strategy seems to be getting absolutely fucked on the muck. He's not a sponsor, he's a dealer, and he deals some drugs to Abby. He's the cleanest dealer I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. 
There's a very clean dealer on Classic Corey at the moment, Jez Quigley. He's a good baddie. Oh, he was a good baddie. But he's very prim and proper. He's He has his underlings. He's kind of how Harvey right. should have been. Right. Harvey should have been like Jez Quigley. But I mean, this guy's obviously an underling because he's walking the streets and actually selling the stuff. He's got little packets in, right. his, in yeah, his pocket. Right, yeah, this is not, you know, a now, head tomato. Was that the heroin that was getting sold there? It seemed like it. It was something that had to be crushed. Mm-hmm. Does heroin get crushed? Well, yeah, and, and then you, put in a little spoon and then you put the lighter on underneath it and everything. Don't be telling people how to do this. This isn't train spot. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the way movies say you do heroin. I'm not uh-huh. talking about real life because I've never done heroin in my life. Thank you very much. So, I think she probably smokes it. Anyway, so. Do you smoke it? I think you can smoke it. Huh. Again, this isn't train spawn. No. And you've with also. A, with, a, with more canny Scotsman in it. Right. You've also never done heroin. No. So. So. It's frustrating because it's yes, like it Abby returning to form. And again, it's a character just on this constant loop. The cycle continues, right. which, I, I, which I want to complain about quite ferociously. But I accept that it's it's somewhat based on truth that there are people who get caught in this cycle of addiction as Toy herself, I think, um, mentions at some point, you know, that mm-hmm. you're an addict and this is kind of how it how it can go, but Abby has been somewhat determined to get clean and somewhat determined to be, to treating this like an addiction and properly and, you know, not just having a drink in the Rovers and, and all that sort of thing. Reminding herself that she is an addictive personality and, and things can get very dark very quickly for her. But at any sign of trouble... This is her. This is her go-to. She always, she always returns to form. There isn't, there right. is no real growth because and and yeah, and that's the frustrating thing. And it it seems like it all of the all of the good that she has done since she's been introduced. It just it all just gets knocked back completely, doesn't right. it? And it's it this time especially. It felt like she she didn't even try to not go on it, you know? Whereas at least the last time when the whole Seb stuff, it seemed like she was actually struggling and, you know, she had it in her pocket and she's sitting at the garden, mm-hmm. in the garden and stuff, and then she decides not to do it and sleep with Imran instead. Right. Which, you know, just passing... One bad decision off for another bad decision, but right. anyway, which is what she was doing last week were lies. She she gets rid of one lie and she starts another one. This this kind of proves that she's not pregnant, though, doesn't it? Because she's drinking an awful lot and now she's doing hard drugs. Well, she's only pregnant if the show decides that she's pregnant. <sighs> but that whole side of it, where you see her struggling with her demons and right and having this, we don't get to see that this no, time. No, and and I. I find that far more interesting and compelling to watch than right. than then her that. just it kind of just ha ha pulled one over on her. All right, let's do drugs now. Mm-hmm. 
that that to me is the unbelievable part of this is that it's just it, it's like she doesn't even care anymore. sitting there as soon as she's sitting there with her anorak on with the hood up you're like that's it that's we're into junkie abbey mode now right yeah because now she's she's immediately dressing like one right not <laughs> not that wearing an anorak with the hood up necessarily means you're a drug dealer I'll tell you what though, sitting in a community garden with an anorak with a hood up drinking straight vodka from the bottle isn't a great look. Uh, no, no, no. You take away the bottle though, it's fine. Yeah, especially if it's raining. Right. Of course, why would you or be at sitting... a bus stop. Why would you be sitting in the rain in a community garden? Right. Anyway. So... Since we don't want to judge people on the way that they're dressed because or, or, people have been murdered by other people for that what, sort of thing. Of what they do with their, their anorak could. Correct. But yeah, but that's that's how it's portrayed here. Yeah. As this is, Abby is now on the slope downwards because this yeah. is how she's dressing and this is what she's doing. And it is frustrating and it's a bit boring. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a sad I mean, fact of it. Here's the thing. You know, we, we we were just talking about on classic Corey, mm-hmm. a baddie who's a drug dealer. It's a good baddie, right? Yeah, he was but, a good baddie. But if 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 we're talking about the yeah, fact 20, that 20 even ago. on classic Corey, many many years ago, yeah, and I don't think he was the first one. No, maybe maybe we need to figure out different baddies. This is the this is. One of the things that I really liked about Ray Weinstein is that he's he's evil because he wants to gentrify the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That's at least... And, and rape lots of people. Right, yes. That was that part of it. Yeah, the rape is not... In- the rapey stuff isn't interesting because it's been done to death. But the gentrifying, you know, is yeah. something we don't get an awful the lot evil of. The property developer. Right. You don't see that yeah. trope all that often. No, it's so... I applaud the attempt there because it's something new besides just bad guys rape you and sell you drugs and occasionally murder you. Mm-hmm. I, I still maintain that Ray Weinstein was a good body. He was he was a good body in the landscape of of terrible bodies that we mm-hmm. had at, the, at that time. Because remember, Gary was the supervillain at that point. Right, yes. Still technically is. And Gay Mick, who... Again, he was good. He was he was good, but yeah, he was a drug dealer, right? <laughs> or a gangster. But he was a gay drug dealer, so at least <laughs> there was that, right? Yeah, with a happy family life. <laughs> and when I remember when we were introduced to Abby back at the start, when there was Seb and the twins, Hoddit and Doddit, I think they were called. Um, there was Humpty and Dumpty. Right. She was an awful character. Because yeah. she was the, you know, she was the, the junkie that was just looking to get her next fix, right? Right, yeah. And and it was dull. And every time she cropped up, you're like, oh, well, here she goes. Oh, she's going she to steal there. from somebody. And right. she's going to blah, 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 blah. And then she became the hero of the show who was constantly saving people. Which kind of makes sense when you think about it. She goes from being the... Right, kind of because waste. she feels like she has to make up for right. all that time, right? Right, so, and prove herself, prove so ha- her worth. So having that hero complex absolutely made sense, right? But this whole, this whole mess of getting yeah. back on the drugs and getting back on the drink, right? And, 
And breaking she should up do. with Kev once again. She... And Kev being such a child about this whole thing when, let's remember, when it comes to men who cheat on the street, numero uno. <laughs> Mine's up there, definitely. It's, it's Kev, it's Kev and, you know, quickly followed by Steve, which Steve acknowledges in another storyline this week, which I thought was delightful. But, you know, to have this whole, oh, well, no, because I'm a man, I can't handle this, and you need to go. And he's like, I, and I can't forgive you. I can't, I can't and trust I her not to, to bring home. drugs into the house. And right. Well, you forgave her the last time. Yeah. And you said that you loved her enough to get, get through this and, yeah. and help her through it. I kind of feel like if Abby hadn't lied and said that it was Tez, if she had just said what Imran said. It was like such a mistake said, saying it was Tez. She I, just, think, I think it, that's part of the thing that bothers Kev the most, I think, is that she, he thinks that it's her ex-husband who yes. she has history with. Yes. That's the problem yes. here. So she just made it worse. Absolutely. For no reason. No. Anyway, we hate this. Moving on. Do better. Next storyline this morning is Dear John, without an H. On Monday, all the young crew's flat. And Tyrone. Emma is practicing asking John out. She, John's not there. No. She's just speaking She's to pretending to, to bump into him. Yeah. Faye comes in and Emma immediately leaves, claiming that she's off to work, and Faye shakes her head. That Emma and her hair brain schemes like but, going off to work, whatever next. Right. Well, she's going to Freshco's first. She admits that she's going to Freshco's. But instead, Emma has rushed to see John wrangling trolleys in the Freshco's car park. She looks on round a wall and perves on them a little bit, but uh, she sees that he sees her, and so she quickly runs away. Emma gets back on the street and it seems that John has abandoned his job at Freshco's car park to follow <laughs> her home because that's not creepy in the slightest. Well, he is only a trolley shepherd, which is the most delightful way to mm -hmm. to, to label that job ever. But that's ever. a buck fifty an hour that he's losing right there. <laughs> trolley shepherd. That was Marlon Brando's job, wasn't it? <laughs> In the Rovers, Emma is doing a build-a-boyfriend quiz or something in Haya with Daisy when John comes in, despite the fact that she knows that he sees her. As she, they say, print is dead. She shrinks behind the bar and crawls off to the back room, leaving John to wait, confused for her to come back out. Emma is She does that thing that Jenny did that time that... Uh, walking on your honkers. You know, when she went down under the bar and tried to walk out when... Um, mm -hmm. What's his name? Sinkhole Leo. Leo, see, I knew it was another L name. Too many L names. Emma's forced to come out and speak to John. It seems that John is as thick as Emma as they both try to avoid admitting that they've been spying on each other. I'm on to you, says John. I know your secret. And Emma paps her undies a little bit. But the secret isn't that John knows that Emma killed his pop-pop. It's that Emma feels a connection with him. They admit to thinking about each other ever since dead Ted's funeral. Pop, pop. And they arrange to have dinner later. I think John definitely called uh, Ted pop-pop. <laughs> well, our John calls his dad pop-pop all the time. Later, Emma and John are having a meal in speed dial. They seem to be getting on well, but it's hard to tell because... Well, let's just say it's hard. But then Craig and Faye come in and are shocked to see what's going on. Shit just got serious, says Craig, who reminds everyone that he used to be a policeman. So he, he never forgets a face. See? 
I'm a copper. I never forget a face. See? At the flat, Faye gets stuck into Emma. Craig, but not like that. Craig gave up his career so they could avoid prison. Was that why he gave up his career? He, Was it? He gave up his career so he could continue to get his hole. That's right. Don't you care that I could go to jail, says Faye. <laughs> no! No, nobody cares about that. We all kind of wish that you would. Jail. <laughs> yes. And she calls Emma a disgrace. She storms yeah. off as Emma gets a text from John, who knows how to use a phone, apparently. Yes. And then Emma sadly and deletes calls her it. Cookie. <laughs> She's a cookie cookie. Yeah. I hope that John's not in it for very long. <laughs> On Friday, at the Young Crew flat and Tyrone's, Craig and Faye are whispering about how much of a fucking liability Emma is. So when Emma comes in, Faye so apologises for being a total bitch yesterday and then asks that Emma promises never to see this John guy again and by extension, don't see anyone else from dead Ted's family. Emma agrees and then coughs as more texts from John come in. Right. He's keen, apparently. Yes. Who wouldn't be? Amy has popped round to get her hair done from Emma while John's texts still keep bombing in. The two of them chat about their weekend plans and their love lives, both being cagey about revealing too much to each other, but both admitting that it's complicated. John's texts still keep coming in, and Amy, and Amy becomes more and more curious, thinking that it might be Curtis. Emma puts her straight on that and says, It's a friend, and it can't go anywhere. What if he's the one? asks Amy. What if he's the one, and you let your family's opinion get in the way? Which makes oh. Emma suspicious, because she never mentioned anything about right, family. Yes. So Amy has to admit that she's still seen that Jacob. And she insists that Jacob has changed and he was as much of a victim as anyone in the drug gang thing, apart from maybe the bloke that Sam saw getting stuffed into the boot of a car. She asks for Emma to give them a chance. Emma is in the community garden then, watching Enter the Dragon on her phone. John appears and the two of them start talking about movies. Because apparently it's her mum's favourite movie. Mm -hmm. John suggests a film night together. Emma would love to, but doesn't think this is going to work out between the two of them. John insists it's just a movie, and so they go off to watch Jumanji at his place. And on their way... The Robin em Williams version, Emma it must be said. drops by number one to tell Amy that her lips are sealed about Jacob, so long as Amy's are sealed about her fella, and Amy is only too happy to agree. And that's as far as we get with others. Their week. lips are sealed. <sighs> so... So is John going to find out that Emma killed his pop-pop? What other reason is there for it to be in this storyline? <clears throat> but, I mean, if Emma gets arrested for pop-pop murders, Faye should get arrested for pop-pop murders as well because she was the one actually behind the wheel of the car. Yeah, she was the one uh, riding that car of death straight into so dead I feel head. Like, I feel like that can't possibly be Emma's exit story that's got to be partly to do with that hasn't it like they're not going to just invent another storyline out of the blue i i almost feel like john grandson of dead ted is going to forgive emma and they're going to go off to one off with one another into the sunset with with her barmaid earnings and his Buck fifty an hour. Charlie Charlie Shepherd earnings and, and Buck fifty an hour. Moved to Detroit to watch uh, Bruce Lee movies forever. Right, and eat Little Caesar's pizza. I don't like John. You don't like him. 
I really don't like him. I, I think he's. I think he's sweet. I think he's. He is basically the male equivalent of Emma. Yeah. In many ways, and that's why I don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> There's too much. I of can that. see that. When it makes st- him like the perfect person for her, though. When he's quoting movies that are, I'm like, oh, give it a fucking rest, <laughs> please. You like to quote movies at people. <sighs> Not like that. Yeah. I'd, <laughs> that they they're, they're too similar. I actually don't feel like there's much chemistry between the two of them. It's it's uh, it's a bit contrived. It's an exhausting storyline. And again, it's this is the problem that Coronation Street is having at the moment is that there's just far too many boring things happening because of plot. I mean, this so this would never happen. So many interviews of oh, we've got lots of really exciting, intense things lining up, and not this lots week. Of, you don't. Lots of lots of drama and what they're talking about is like stupid shit like Lydia. Right. <laughs> right. That's not what we want. And also, it just it feels the further away we get from it, the more obvious it is that we've we're never going to see anybody punished for the upskirting thing. And oh, that's long gone. And we're never going to that's see That's like it never happened. And we're never going to see Max held accountable for drugging Amy. No, and Amy seems to be fine again. It's all over. It's all over. It's it's done. It's done. Yes, we are. We are just shutting down these assaults, these real, very real, very tangible assault storylines. In favor of a pretend assault storyline that is just boring and awful and we'll terrible. And Stay tuned, folks. We'll get to that. And also does damage. As Adam says in the storyline, mm-hmm. this is how bad the Emma and John storyline is, is that we're already talking about what's coming up. <laughs> it's do It does damage to people who are actually assaulted. You have... Do the work! You have Do a, the work! You That's have, what we want to see! You have a property here where there are characters that have been in our living rooms and in our lives for years and in some cases decades. And if you can't get a character-driven storyline... We don't see much of the people we've seen for decades. We see Steve. <laughs> and David. And Tracy. So you see plenty of them. So, yeah. If you can't get a character-driven storyline out of that, but every single thing here is, so far, is unbelievable shit happening because the plot says it has to happen. Right. So you've got Abby becoming a junkie again because the plot says it has to happen. You've got Emma going out with John, the grandson of dead Ted, because the plot says that it has to happen, despite the fact that she's just out of a relationship with a guy who pretended that he had a heart problem. Right. Because the plot said that that had to happen. Right, yeah. So much is just... The only thing that, that's that's kind of believable is Joseph's uh, Joseph's thoughts on his life at home with Chesney. Yeah. But even that, at its heart, is a story about Gemma having quads because the plot said that that would be funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then we never see the quads and we just hear them mentioned that they're puking or pooping. Or, or, or trying th- to electrocute themselves. Right, yeah. Ha ha! And one of them's deaf. The fact that they're trying to electrocute themselves has a kind of mice throwing themselves on the traps kind of vibe to it, doesn't it? 
Let's move on to our penultimate storyline, which is The Roy's Gambit. <laughs> on Monday, Brian and Cathy are back from their six-week vacation in Cornwall. Brian has come back in love with the place and wants to buy a sweet shop there that's got a sea view. Cathy agrees, but is just happy to get home. So they take this conversation at Nina Rose and explain it all to Roy. Brian has even been learning some Cornish. Cathy thinks that their life and their responsibilities are here. So Brian challenges her to a game of chess to decide where they're going to live for the rest of their lives. Really? And Roy says to both of them, do you really think this is a good idea? Yeah, this might be rash. But Cathy, she's up for it and she agrees. Right. So Brian and Cathy continue to wind each other up as Roy begs them to hurry up and get on with this so he can shut up the cafe. Cornwall. Cathy thinks that she has the upper hand, but then Brian wins. And then Brian decides that it wasn't for keepsies after all, so they agree to talk it over, and all of this was just a massive waste of time. Get the fuck out of my cafe, says Roy. Do you think a boater hat would even stay on Brian's head? Tough to be a very big boater hat. <laughs> Tough to be a yacht hat, I think. <laughs> One of those super yachts that billionaires have. Yes, and oligarchs. Yes, oligarchs like, really is just a word for billionaires, isn't it? But we don't say billionaires because, well... Because we can't make billionaires evil. We, we do now. On Friday, Nick is trying to get Sam to school, but someone's bright idea was buying him a book on chess, and he refuses to take his nose out of it. Knowledge is power, Sam says, and he plans to challenge Roy again once he's read the book. So we're thinking maybe next week sometime then, because it's a big book. Yeah. But actually, no, he's done with the book later and Nina rolls and he challenges Roy to a game. Right there and there. Roy points out that he has a cafe to run and, you know, his life doesn't revolve around playing chess with a 10-year-old <laughs> and Sam should wind his fucking neck in. But he agrees to a game later on the proviso that they shake hands afterwards, no matter the outcome. Sam agrees. Well, this sounds like fun, says Nick. <laughs> Sam turns up later. I love that Nick is still just, you know... The, the dad who has no interest in his, his son's interests, but is encouraging nonetheless. <laughs> Sam turns up later and begins playing with Roy, but not like that. Both of them providing Ooh. annoying commentary to accompany their moves, while Wagner's Ride of the Valkyries plays in the background. <laughs> Sam has improved, but is still beaten by Roy, and Roy reckons that Sam will beat him one day, maybe even tomorrow, and they shake hands over the board. And they're using the the the, the chessboard with Chase. the train, yeah. yeah, which I thought was a nice touch, right? Because that's not the set that Kathy and Brian were using before. No, Roy broke out the good set for Sam. Yes, and Sam has the oh, I don't know why I bother kind of thing. Maybe that's me done with chess, right? Kind of thing going on, but and both Roy and Nick are encouraging him mm -hmm. and saying, "No, you know, he's Roy's been playing for a very long time, and is Roy." Right. It'll take a while. Maybe play Hope. <laughs> and try to beat Hope. Or Kirk. God, Kirk. I'm 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 finally at the point that you have been for quite some time. Where Welcome I aboard. Just <laughs> Welcome aboard. I'm so tired of them trotting Kirk out just to say stupid shit and then could go back in his corner. Mm -hmm. And again. This the, the whole Brian and Kathy thing. Here's here's a couple of characters that we love who are delightful people, mm -hmm. and they're that we finally get to see them again. And their storyline is Brian wants to move to Cornwall and wear boater hats and sell sweets by the seashore for fifteen minutes. <laughs> 
he's really he seems really sad there at the end that that Kathy didn't say no 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 if you want to move to Cornwall let's move to Cornwall yep. that she was immediately like oh thank God well I- she reminds them with the responsibilities there and right. Alex right which is one of their responsibilities right we forgot to mention that we got to see Alex last week for the first time in ages first time and in he a while. looks delightful yep. he looks so good we missed him yeah I mean aside from the fact that the the Monday stuff was utterly pointless. Yeah. Roy playing chess with, or having chess go on in his cafe, or right. in Nina's cafe, whenever whenever a storyline dictates it. Right. This feels, though, that this was at least something that wasn't plot-driven. Right. Because Sam, would Sam be interested in becoming fantastic at chess after being introduced to chess? Absolutely. Yeah. That's what his character is, Right. Right. So it's nice to see that even even Sam isn't perfect at everything the first time he tries. Mm-hmm. Is and it within totally, Roy's character not to let Sam beat him? Absolutely. And it's totally believable that a child like Sam, who has this one thing that he's not good at immediately, wants to quit. Because we have a kid like that mm-hmm. who, when she she doesn't get things right right away, gets very angry at herself because so much comes easy to her mm-hmm. so never ever go uh, putting with steli never do it or 10 pin bowling yeah it's it, uh, you know it's uh it's it's totally believable and it's it's nice and it's interesting kind of that that they're developing this 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 friendship and everything and it's nice that sam is talking but we're not really remarking on the fact that sam is speaking in complete sentences again that it's not it's it's not made into a big deal it's just happening naturally and that's kind of nice yeah the word that i had in my my head as you were you were saying that was organic you have a a storyline that's developing organically because the characters dictate this is the way that it should go right because this is how they behave with each other right and you have uh, the organic development of Sam's getting over his mm-hmm. fact that his mum's dead is right. happening kind of organically also. Right. And has taken time. Yes. And then he's got the support of other people around him. And for me, it's totally believable that this kid would sit and read a whole book in one day. Oh, yeah. Especially when about Even chess. A big and, book then like be, that. Right. and then be sitting and talking to Roy about famous moves and everything and the conversation. I was thinking earlier this week about how kind of eye-rolly it was like a month ago when every other word out of one of the young women on the show's mouth was the name of a famous feminist from over a hundred years ago, Mm. you know, because it didn't feel organic and it felt kind of ridiculous and eye-rolly and, and just virtue signaling. Box ticky. To do that. Mm-hmm. However, Roy and Sam talking about Deep Blue. And Gary Kasparov, yeah. Totally believable. Mm-hmm. Totally would definitely be something that Sam would have learned about while he's trying to get better at chess. Yeah. Now, and, now is this the most interesting storyline in the world? No. Absolutely not. But it's the best storyline that we saw this week. Absolutely. (laughs) And why is that? When a story that isn't exciting, isn't really all that interesting, 
is absolutely the best storyline that's going on this week. Well, you because know, it's natural, because it's organic, and because it's characters that we care about. We care about, but behaving like they should. Right. Yes. And let's remember, that's why Coronation Street was invented in the first place. A show about normal people doing mm. normal things. Not about rapes and murders and drug dealers and psychopaths. And on that note, let's move on to our final storyline uh, today. Do we have to? Which is oversharing Sarah. <sighs> on Monday, David and Sarah discuss an Adam's supposed affair with Lydia and his current whereabouts, which is staying at number one. At number one, over the racket of Tracy tidying up all of Friday's empty wine bottles. Again, reminding us, oh, remember when that was quite funny? That was quite funny and yeah. believable and characters we like. Adam has reported everything to the police, but is frustrated <sighs> when they're not joining all the dots together. Adam has now worked out that Lydia broke into his flat, was responsible for the raid on the law office, the construction of the Berlin Wall, and James Belushi. <laughs> Tracy admires Lydia's spunk. Adam thinks like that. that sooner or later, when the dust has settled, Sarah will come crawling back for forgiveness. At the factory, Sean quizzes Sarah about Lydia's whereabouts, reckoning that she's getting preferential treatment when it comes to paid time off these days, and Sarah announces that Lydia will not be returning. So later, Carla gets wind that Sarah has sacked her PA and reckons that this <laughs> has got Employment Tribunal written all over it. Carla she's apparently... Not wrong. No, has also warned Sarah about getting too close to the proletariat. Sit down and I'll give you the deets then, says Sarah. And so, Carla reminds her that they're they're the oligarchs of the street. Mm -hmm. Adam comes out of Dev's to meet a ferociously angry Carla, who tells him to stay away from Sarah. Then an indignant Daniel overhears and sticks his nose in, wondering if Adam was sleeping with Lydia while he was dating her. Yes, because it's all about you, Daniel. Adam insists that he isn't cheating on Sarah. Lydia is a psycho. And how great that everyone is so quick to believe someone they don't even know over him. And the he storms off, leaving Carla and Daniel to consider his words. And he also points out, he's like, look, you know, he says, especially to Carla, he's like, look, you and I slept together and that was bad. Mm -hmm. But did I ever come after you and threaten you physically? And she has to admit, no, he didn't. That this is not... No, it was her that threw the wooden stapler at his head. Right. If you remember. Yes. You know, and I think that's the thing that Daniel and, and Carla are really considering here and that everybody on the show should be considering here is that, is it believable that Adam has cheated on his wife? Yes. Is it believable that he's a psycho who's threatening to beat Lydia up? No. Remember that time that Daniel pushed his granddad down the stairs? And then he pushed Max down the stairs? Oh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, Adam that did that. No, it, it was, was Daniel. It was Daniel. So remember, when, remember when Daniel, while his wife was dying, was, was, was trying, attempting to sleep with, with Sarah's daughter, Bethany? Mm -hmm. Remember that? I do remember that. Remember? I remember that he proposed to her and called her by the wrong name and then uh, the car ran over the ring. Right. But not like that. Remember remember when Daniel was, was creepy and asking a prostitute to wear his dead wife's cologne oh, and the sex, sex cardigan. cardigan? Do we all remember that? Yeah, so Daniel, maybe you should be just a little bit more understanding here. And then Daniel does have to admit that Lydia was kind of intense occasionally. 
So Adam goes to the factory to warn Sarah that he's going to the flat to pick up some stuff, but all too quickly they end up arguing again. Adam gets angry as he insists that he had nothing to do with poisonous Lydia, which is a side that Sarah doesn't like to see. Adam says she's giving <sighs> Lydia exactly what she wants, which is the ammunition to destroy his life. Get out, says Sarah. Right. Get out. And again, you know, if Adam was the person that Lydia says that he is, he would not be nice enough to go and say, hey, just to let you know, I'm going to the flat to pick up a few things. Right. Just to warn you that I will be there. Right. He'd just fucking go and not care about Sarah's mm-hmm. feelings. Ah, well, we got found out. It was always going to happen. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. That's totally what he would be. Because let's admit, let's let's remember, he didn't really deny the Carla stuff. He kind of denied who it was. He was he put pressure on Carla not to spill the beans in it. Right. Which I remember us saying, why would Carla spill the beans about this? Right, yeah. This isn't her finest moment. But see, that's the thing. Adam thinks he's God's gift to women. Yeah. So. (laughs) Well, I would. Canny Scotsman. (laughs) It's just, it's so ridiculous that everybody is, except for Tracy. Tracy is the only person in Adam's corner. Yeah, Tracy. Tracy. That'll get everyone on board. But even Tracy (laughs) admires Lydia. For her spunk. For her sabotaging of Adam's life. Mm -hmm. Because that's totally something Tracy would do. Yeah, she's impressed. Yes. Remember, Tracy left Steve in the desert to die. Yep, she's killed and she will kill again. On Friday, Sarah is getting Harry ready to leave, then looks at the flowers that have just arrived from Adam for their anniversary, which has got written in it, happy anniversary from Adam. <laughs> After a And Harry speaks again and runs. What did he say? I can't remember. It can't, was... can't remember or... <laughs> it was it was something like, yes, mama, or something, you After... know, random and babyish. But still, it's nice that Harry speaks yeah. and, and walks After and talks. They're having a little conversation together that is totally not scripted. Right, yeah, where she's saying, you know, she's talking get about... Ready and yeah, get ready. Re- and that she's packing, packing his lunch and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, was adorable. Nice. Yeah, I liked that. So after a moment, she stuffs the flowers in the bin. Meanwhile, Adam's at number one, not eating Rice Krispies. There's apparently there's a Rice Krispie shortage. In the UK? Everywhere. Oh. Worldwide. I wouldn't know because I don't eat Rice Krispies. <laughs> no, do I. Steve sympathises about how much a pain in the tits it is having an affair. Adam insists that he's innocent, blaming Lydia for being a psycho hose beast. Prove it then, says Steve. Yes. Sarah's heard the case for the prosecution. Let Give her hear the, the case for the defence. Which is good advice. So Sarah's at work wishing that they had some kind of security system or maybe a guard on the door. As Adam comes in, Despite the fact that he doesn't work there, to insist that he's innocent. Maybe she should put it in the suggestion box. <laughs> that was actually a thing that happened on Coronation Street this week, that Kirk suggested a su- suggestion box. So that he could put, put in, in the suggestion, suggestion that they should have a, a suggestion, suggestion box. box. That actually happened. And that Sean is the reasonable party that tells him that they have an online place to put suggestions. Yeah. That happened. That happened this week. Cut. The whole the whole suggestion box thing. Hasn't the suggestion box been done? That's his, uh, um, and wasn't it Beth? It's certainly not the first thing to do this. 
No. But Kirk got out of his bed on Monday for that to happen. Yes. Anyway. Sarah's at work and blah, 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 blah. Remember Adam when Kirk to- was really fun and funny, you know, talking about, like, his sexual exploits with Beth and how much we enjoyed those? Well, we enjoyed was, them better than him playing with a yo-yo and talking about because it suggestion was, boxes. It was, it was delightful because it was these two people who are kind of of an of a particular age talking about having a happy sexual relationship, and now it's 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 Sally and Tim that do that, and only Sally and Tim. Yeah, Kirk and Beth apparently aren't are contractually obliged to not be in a scene together. In a scene together. And just talk about anyway, one another. Adam wants to fight for his marriage and make his case for the defence. So Adam makes his pitch. His bank has charges on it that he's never seen. And why would Lydia flaunt a gift from him in front of her unless it was a setup? He challenges her to challenge Lydia about where or when this affair was supposed to happen. Sarah is the only woman for him. Sarah has heard enough and sends Adam packing and then calls Lydia. So Lydia meets Sarah at home and answers Sarah's questions about the affair, which Lydia says has been going on for weeks. Lydia very much takes a sisters before misters kind of stance. Lydia shows Sarah some messages supposedly coming from Adam's phone, but Sarah notices it's a different number. So she phones it and a buzzing comes from his sock drawer. Dirty, dirty bastard, says Sarah, as she retrieves the phone from his sock drawer and reads nasty threatening texts while Lydia rolls her eyes and clearly thinks about what a fucking sap Sarah is. When did Lydia put that in the sock drawer? When she was in the flat on her own. And Adam hasn't worn socks since? Hasn't changed his socks since? No. This is, see this? Plus we saw her put that, didn't we see her put that down like the side of the couch at one point? No, that was her scarf or something that she had to go back for, wasn't it? Oh, that's right. And also, like, before this, it almost felt like Lydia was almost going to get caught out because, like, Sarah is asking for dates and times Mm -hmm. and Lydia can't tell her anything because she could very easily say a date and a time where Sarah could say, no, we were together at that point. Because contrary to popular belief, Lydia doesn't know Every time mm-hmm. Adam and Sarah are together, which is part of this ridiculous storyline. Daniel appears sucks. in the law office and grabs Adam, telling him there's something that he needs to see. And the thing that he needs to see is Sarah throwing all of his clothes out of the fire escape. Yeah, because that's never been done before. <laughs> she shouts at him about the sock drawer phone. She's read the messages. She wants a divorce. Adam doesn't understand why Sarah is so determined to believe Lydia and not him, something that I believe that he might have said already. Yeah. But she reckons that he's been caught red-handed and she demands his key from him. So Daniel and Adam go to the rovers as Adam calls and books a room, presumably at Debbie's Rape Hotel for the night. Daniel tells Adam that he's coming across a bit toxic macho when he's speaking to Sarah and that Lydia doesn't strike him as being the psychotic type. Adam reminds him of having his back with the whole summer bullshit and demands the same in return. Daisy agrees that Lydia is a marriage-wrecking cowbag and Adam is angered into saying aloud that he's going to sort this shit out. So he seems to know where Lydia lives and he goes around to see her, but she refuses to let yeah, him in. Yeah, because that's the smart thing that a solicitor would do. Mm-hmm. And he sh- shouts at how she doesn't appreciate being threatened. He's shouting outside her house, out- outside of her flat, with another door right there for yeah. people to hear him shouting mm-hmm. at her. And he demands to be let in. Well, she seems to be shouting back at him about being threatened and stuff. <laughs> Meanwhile, Daniel goes to see Sarah and makes a half-arsed attempt at having Adam's back. He thinks Adam is believable and that it's crazy how everyone seems hell-bent on believing someone they don't know. 
back at Lydia's, she still isn't letting Adam in and keeps throwing non-sequiturs out to Adam's request. Well, it sounds like he's she's decided to move her furniture around for a little bit. Yes. Adam doesn't put two and two together and hangs about like a total fucking idiot waiting to be let in while all this goes on. Seriously, what... What believable solicitor would ever do this? Right. This is... He's probably told people who are in the middle of a divorce not to do things like this, yep. not to go to the other person's flat. Stay away from stay it. Stay away from them. Just go through the solicitors. Right. If you if you need to see them or talk to them, arrange to meet in a public place. Right. I just stop. When Lydia finally lets Adam in, he sees that our previously tidy flat has been turned upside down and she turns on the waterworks, but not like that. Just and, as the coppers arrive. And she says, okay, since you've now acknowledged yourself, I will open the door. And he's like, that's it, I'm calling the cops. And then the cops are right there. And all of the to time... To not do their job. I'm wondering, where's Finn? Yeah. Yeah. You see some toys mm-hmm. on a shelf. Mm-hmm. And, the, and a very tidy flat. Yes. But it's very much Lydia on her own in that flat. Yeah. There in no, the evening. There's no kids there. None. And there's no real sign that a kid has been there. The the toys are there, but they're not. They don't look like they've been played right. with. They're like and ornaments. Nobody has seen this kid since Christmas. Since the first time we saw him. Since Christmas. What is going on there? Nick drops in to see Sarah, who is drinking alone in moderation. Sarah explains that Adam wants the benefit of the doubt, but she refuses to give him it. Nick doesn't seem to believe it. You think Lydia is sending texts herself? Asks Sarah. Then why doesn't she go to the police? Asks Nick. And back at Lydia's, she's explaining to uh, one of the cops how she was having an affair with Adam, who has forced his way in and smashed the place up. So Adam is arrested by Kev, who's dressed up as a copper. Oh, pig's tits, says Adam. And thank you to Mike on Twitter for that Kev copper joke. Yes. And None of the coppers seem to notice that the door has not been forced. None that, of the neighbours say, oh, no, we heard them break in. That we, you know, there's there's no damage to the door whatsoever. They don't dust for prints on anything. They're obsessed with fingerprints. Because if they had, they'd notice that this guy who supposedly wrecked this flat, his fingerprints aren't on anything mm-hmm. because he's never been in that flat before in his life. Well, that takes time to establish they're going to arrest them in the meantime. They're not going to say, just you sit there while I dust for prints and then take your fingerprints and then compare them. That's not going to happen in that scene. They can take them down for questioning and not arrest him, though. They shouldn't be able to arrest somebody without proof and not hearsay. Mm-hmm. Well, it's definitely his word against hers. Right. And she was making yeah. a sufficiently loud noise to... For her downstairs neighbour anyway, so yeah, I could hear a disturbance. Right, yeah. And Adam does not say to the police officer, he says this is my ex. He doesn't say, this is a woman that I had a relationship with over 10 years ago who's been stalking me and has been breaking into my house. No, he just says, it's my ex and we're having some problems or something like that. Mm. He doesn't say anything that a trained solicitor would know to say to the police. And again, it's just 
<sighs> this sort of storyline in the year of our Lord 2022 is just, especially since we had perfectly valid assault storylines that they are now choosing to ignore mm-hmm. and not bring anybody to justice. And we have this storyline of bitches be crazy. Mm-hmm. She's going to bur- boil my bunny. Yep. But not like that. <sighs> totally like that. She. It's a good thing that Adam and Sarah don't have any pets. Adam does say to Lydia, you are doing... Yeah. You're doing uh, victims of real domestic violence. No good here. Right. And uh, the and show is said, doing victims of violence. Uh, uh, no good deed here. Unironically. That's Scottish canniness for you. It's... It... it <laughs> I'm still passed off about the Max stuff yeah. and the upskirting stuff. This just makes me so much more pissed because it's like they don't, it's like they're not living, it's like they're still living in a lockdown bubble where they don't understand what's going on in the real world and they think this is a valid storyline right. and that this sort of thing is done for drama and is not going to hurt people in the real world. This is going to hurt people in the real world. This is going to be traumatic to people. This sort of stuff in popular media, since since the boiling of the bunny by Glenn Close in the 1980s. Thank you very much. You are welcome. Has been doing. This is why women don't go to the police because they don't believe them because they watch shows like this, and also you know just yeah. toxic masculinity, so toxic, toxic masculinity, and rape culture as well. But stuff like this reinforces the toxic masculinity and the rape culture that we still live in in the society where you know men get off because. Judges don't want to ruin their lives, and also women aren't believed because bitches be crazy. I am becoming more and more convinced of the fact that Adam has either sexually assaulted her or raped her in the past and doesn't remember it because that's not how he remembers it. No. And I think that's... I kind of I almost hope that that's where the storyline's going because it, it might have some good come out of it, that we, that we examine this historic aspect of uh, your life and your youth where something might have happened that you thought was a perfectly reasonable encounter. But Lydia keeps on saying, you ruined my life. And we thought, does she mean Finn? Does she mean that Finn right. is her, is Adam's son and that's how her life's been ruined? Or does she mean that every relationship that she's been in since Adam has had the fact that he raped her as an echo in it. Right. So what you're thinking is that it's going kind of a promising young woman route. But at least at least even in that movie, you know, she's going and she's saying, this guy did this thing and that ruined my friend's life and that's why she committed suicide and that's why these guys need to pay. You know, she's very explicit about that. Mm-hmm. And they know that they were accused. Adam doesn't know. 
no anything and, and that i think that's the problem right there if she if if she sat him down and said look you did this to me this was unconsensual maybe they were both drunk at the time right maybe something like that happened it was wrong and it messed up my life i feel like adam would take responsibility for that well that's where i'm hoping that it's going to go because i think that's going to maybe save it but there's been a, an opportunity for that conversation to happen and they haven't taken it right rather and rather do they're that. doing the whole bitches be crazy thing right. about something that she's she hasn't explicitly said and i feel like the more they get into this whole i'm going to ruin your life because you ruined my life but i refuse to tell you why you ruined my life yep the less sympathetic Adam's going to be when he finally, re- when it's finally revealed how exactly he ruined her life. Right. Lydia should be a sympathetic character here and she's not. And she's not. She's psycho. Right. And that's not great because we've already had our psycho Jade just a, what, a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Right. You know, it's. Well, longer than that, maybe, but. But again, it's just going to the same well over and over and over again instead of further exploring these new different interesting storylines that would actually be appealing to people and actually do a favor to the world and keeping with our theme this week of things happening because a plot needs it to happen that this is exactly what's what's happening here that things are happening because the plot people aren't People aren't saying anything because the plot can't allow that to happen until... Because then the storyline would be resolved. Until Adam loses his job, loses his house, presumably, loses everything else. And and then it'll come out. Yeah. So, so long as we can drag this out for another couple of months. I think this week has been one of the worst weeks I've seen of Coronation Street. It was so bad. And there's not been a good week for a while. No. There's been a... We've just got over a couple of really hard to watch weeks, and this one was right. where nothing was resolved. You know, the whole Sarah and Adam trying for a baby storyline was good and interesting, and I liked because it was giving an opportunity for Adam to become something that he has not yet become, you know, which is like an actual father and, and it would have and it would have given an opportunity to to bring harry in more and to talk about harry more because he's essentially a father to this child and we don't get to see them interact very much and it could be a storyline about blended families and and how that works and a, a you know resolved bachelor in his 30s suddenly becoming a father Sound familiar? Well, I don't really mean that. I, I don't. So, I, I don't think it would be even that much of an issue to have elements of Adam's past coming back to haunt him in this endeavor of right. becoming pregnant because that's interesting. That actually that, that makes it a little bit more interesting. Right. That how does he deal with this Lothario kind of throwing his seed about the place without right. really much consideration? And what does Sarah think about that? Well, we know that she doesn't really like it, but. To, to have it go to this extreme... Right, and it would be interesting because then it would be, well, you know, 
how how do we involve the kids in all of this? And can we, you know, we can't blame this child for his parentage, you know, and everything like that. Make it an interesting, believable storyline about believable people instead of this mess that they've gotten themselves into. Yeah. It's just... It, it's exhausting to watch. I don't look forward to watching the show anymore. Oh. And that's been going on. It becomes less and less. It becomes more and more of a chore. I was quite pleased when it wasn't on a Wednesday. Yeah. I was quite happy for the day yeah. off. Me too. Do something else. Me too. Even though, you know, I was happy to only have to watch roughly two hours this this week. Not even, you know, just get it done and over with. Write my notes and stuff. I love talking to you about it and mm -hmm. bitching to you about it and talking about why the show isn't working for us anymore. Right. When it was winning awards, remember? Right. Not too long ago. And I mean, even now, uh, there's something coming up where EastEnders and um, Emmerdale aren't nominated at all. <laughs> and it's just, it's just Coronation Street and Holby City, which is being canceled, right. you know. And rest in peace, neighbors. You know, it's. They could be doing so much that's within the spirit of why Coronation Street was created in the first place. And they just keep going off the deep end about going to extremes in these in these ways that are not interesting, are not new, can be damaging. Mm to and it just don't make you want to watch it anymore which brings us on to this week's hard debate now we're doing this at the end there was no hard debate this week but why do you think that was <laughs> did i forget could i not be asked was it postponed for football or well what do you call this then <laughs> And fourth place was Forgot with 9%. And third place was, well, what do you call this then? With 23%. Couldn't be asked, got 27%. But 41% of people thought that there was no hard debate this week because it was postponed for the football. And, you know, it kind of makes me wonder, is it, it, are they just, are they not trying so hard because they keep getting mucked about by things like nah, the football? No, nah, because it, but there's an episode on Sunday to catch up. So right. No, yeah. nothing's been lost here. It's all you know, just a and lot I know, of delay. I know a lot of people like to complain, you know, like to blame COVID for, Not the, anymore. for the bad storyline. Not anymore. There's so much good content out there that was made during COVID. Right. Yeah, That's you, great. You, that you'd rather watch. That was last year. You could you could say that last year. You can't say that this year. No, you really can't. Well, that was the week that was Coronation Street. What was your moment of the week? Roy and Sam playing chess. It's got to be because there was nothing else. No, there really wasn't. Unless, <laughs> it, was, unless it was Kathy and Brian playing chess. No, because that amounted to nothing. Right. But, yeah. It Except was, for Brian being sad. It was character driven and it was really the best thing that happened on and Coronation Street. It was the Street most organic, in the spirit of Coronation Street thing that happened on yeah. Coronation Street this week. So that's our moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week? Um. Oh, I had it. It was in my head. And now I can't remember. So instead of the thing that I was going to say, 
which was two characters talking about something and it was boring. I'm going to say Kirk in the Suggestion it's going Box. It's to be Kirk in the Suggestion Box. See, and then this is like... <sighs> Give the man something better to do. He's a delightful human being in real life. He deserves better. That said, it's still our... Boring moment of the week. That's not down to the actor, though. No, no. <sighs> fucking hell. Fucking hell. Oh, if you've ever wanted to say fucking hell at the TV when you're watching Coronation Street, <laughs> let us know about it. We are the talk of the street gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can shout me and hell on a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Please. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And Thank we will you. be back next week. Hopefully. With more The Talk of the Street. We do it so you don't have to. <laughs> Cheerio. <laughs> <laughs>